Hi, I'm Linwood Barclay. Welcome to the Broken Promise podcast. This is uh, part two of four podcasts adapted from the novel Broken Promise. In our first podcast, David Harwood's mom was wanting him to drop off some things for his cousin, Marla, and he had said yes, he'd be happy to do that. Mom said, I think Marla's spending too much time alone that she needs to get out, do things to take her mind off what happened, to... I said I'd do it, Mom. Well, I was just saying, she said, the first hint of an edge entering her voice, that it would be good if we all made an effort where she's concerned. Dad, not taking his eyes off the iPad screen, said, It's been ten months, Arlene. She's got to move on. Mom sighed. Oh, of course, Don. That's something you just get over. Walk it off. That's your solution to everything. Oh, she's got a bit crackers if you ask me. He looked up. Is there more coffee? Mom said to me, When you get there, remember to just identify yourself. She always finds that helpful. I know, Mom. Marla Pickens lived in a small, one-story house on Cherry Street. From what I knew, her parents, Aunt Agnes and her husband Gil, owned the house and paid the mortgage on it, but Marla struggled to pay the property taxes and utilities with what money she brought in. Having spent a career in newspapers and still having some regard for truth and accuracy, I didn't have much regard for how Marla made her money these days. She'd been hired by some web firm to write bogus online reviews. A renovation company seeking to rehabilitate and bolster its internet reputation would engage the services of SurfRep, which had hundreds of freelancers who went online to write fictitious laudatory reviews. Marla had once shown me one she'd written for a roofing company in Austin, Texas. A tree hit our house and put a good-sized hole in the roof. Marcelli Roofing came within the hour, fixed the roof, and reshingled it, and all for a very reasonable cost. I cannot recommend them highly enough. Except Marla had never been to Austin, did not know anyone at Marcelli Roofing, and had never in her life hired a contractor of any kind to do anything. Pretty good, huh? She'd said. It's kind of like writing a really, really short story. I didn't have the energy to get into it with her at the time. I took the bypass to get from one side of town to the other, passing under the shadow of the Promise Falls water tower, a ten-story structure that looked like an alien mothership on stilts. When I got to Marla's, I pulled into the driveway beside her faded red rusting mid-90s Mustang. I opened the rear hatch of my Mazda and grabbed two reusable grocery bags Mum had filled with frozen dinners. Heading up the walk, I noticed weeds and grass coming up between the cracks in the stone. I mounted the three steps to the door switched all the bags to my left hand, and as I rapped on it with my fist, noticed a smudge on the door frame. The whole house needed painting, or failing that, a good power washing, so the smudge, which was at shoulder height and looked like a handprint, wasn't that out of place, but something about it caught my eye. It looked like smeared blood, as if someone had swatted the world's biggest mosquito there. I touched it tentatively with my index finger and found it dry. When Marla didn't answer the door after 10 seconds, I knocked again. I tried turning the knob. Unlocked. Marla, it's Cousin David. 
Aunt Arlene wanted me to drop off a few things, homemade chili, some other stuff. Where are you? I stepped into the L-shaped main room. As I closed the door behind me, I noticed a folded up baby stroller tucked behind it in the closed position. What the hell? I thought I heard something down the hall, a kind of mewing, a gurgling sound. A baby, it sounded like a baby. You might think, seeing a stroller by the door, that that wouldn't be all that shocking. But here, at this time, you would be wrong. Marla! I set the bags down on the floor and moved across the room, started down the hall. At the first door, I stopped and peeked inside. This was probably supposed to be a bedroom, but Marla had turned it into a landfill site. Disused furniture, empty cardboard boxes, rolls of carpet, old magazines, outdated stereo components. Marla appeared to be an aspiring hoarder. I moved on to the next door, which was closed. I turned the knob and pushed. Marla, are you in here? Are you okay? The sound I had heard earlier became louder. It was, in fact, a baby. Nine months to a year old, I guess. Not sure whether it was a boy or girl, although it was wrapped in a blue blanket. What I'd heard were feeding noises. The baby was sucking contentedly on a rubber nipple, its tiny fingers attempting to grip the plastic feeding bottle. Marla held the bottle in one hand, cradling the infant in her other arm. She was seated in a cushioned chair in the corner of the bedroom. On the bed, bags of diapers, baby clothes, a container of wipes. Marla? She studied my face and whispered, I heard you call out, but I couldn't come to the door, and I didn't want to shout. I think Matthew's nearly asleep. I stepped tentatively into the room. Matthew? Marla smiled, nodded. Isn't he beautiful? Slowly I said, yes, he is. A pause, then, who's Matthew, Marla? What do you mean, Marla said, cocking her head in puzzlement. Matthew is Matthew. Yes, but what I mean is, who does Matthew belong to? Are you doing some babysitting for someone? Marla blinked. Matthew belongs to me, David. Matthew's my baby. I cleared a spot and sat on the edge of the bed close to my cousin. And when did Matthew arrive, Marla? Ten months ago, she said without hesitation, on the 12th of July. But I've been over here a few times in the last 10 months, and this is the first chance I've had to meet him, so I guess I'm a little puzzled. Marla said, It's hard to explain. An angel brought him to me. I need a little more than that, I said softly. Well, that's all I can say. It's like a miracle. Marla, your baby... I don't want to talk about that, she whispered, turning her head away from me, studying the baby's face. I pressed on gently as if I were slowly driving onto a rickety bridge I feared would give way beneath me. Marla, what happened to you and your baby was a tragedy. We all felt so terrible for you. Ten months ago, it had been a sad time for everyone, but for Marla, it had been devastating. She lightly touched a finger to Matthew's button nose. You are so adorable, she said. I said, Marla, I need you to tell me whose baby this really is and why there's blood on your front door. <laughs>